Hi, I'm Kat. And I'm Emma. If you love the Dead Prank podcast, you can help support its future using the ACAST supporter feature. Now, it's up to you how much you give and there is no regular commitment. So if you can and you want to, please do hit the link in the show description to support now. Thank you. Thank you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Now, before I go ahead and introduce this week's episode and my fantastic guest... I'd like to use this opportunity to ask you for your help. As a lot of you will know, I run this podcast by myself in my spare time and it comes with various costs such as hosting platforms, design software, recording software, the list goes on. So if you find the podcast useful, I would be so grateful if you would consider helping me to fund its future. Without you guys, I literally wouldn't be able to afford to keep it going. And if the podcast has helped you and you'd like to secure its future, You can either sign up as a patron and donate a small monthly amount or make a one-off donation on my GoFundMe page. And you can find both of these links in the show notes below. Hi, welcome to the Dead Parent Club podcast, a community of like-minded young adults who are all grieving a similar loss. I'm Catherine Hooker and I speak with inspirational people from all over the world whose lives have been impacted from losing a parent at a young age. In this podcast, our guests will tell their own grief story, discussing how their losses have impacted their lives and the past they found themselves on. We laugh, we cry, but together we've come to realise that we are far from alone in our own grief journeys. Because I just don't think people are very aware of what the fuck it actually does to you (laughs) and how all-consuming it is and how hard it is to explain to someone who hasn't experienced it and there's just a look you can speak to anyone who has it doesn't really matter what age they are and they look at you and they just know this inner deep knowing and they can see you hi guys and welcome to this week's episode of the dead prank club podcast thank you so much for joining me this week so Let's dive into this week's episode with the lovely Siobhan, the great woman behind the Grief Stories Instagram page. So Siobhan's dad died when she was 30 after being diagnosed with Alzheimer's when she was just 17. She described her dad's passing as going through lots of different stages of loss. So in this week's episode, we talked about the effect this had on her. She navigated her 20s and how she's coping now a year and a half later. Siobhan tells us about her experience with therapy and how grief affected her friendships and the way she's changed over the past 18 months. This episode was honestly such a pleasure to record and I felt like we were just kind of like old friends catching up so I hope you guys kind of get that vibe from it too and I hope you enjoy the episode. I'll link Siobhan's Instagram account in the show notes so that you can find her there as well and I'll see you next week. I'm Siobhan, I'm 32, I live in Bath, back at the family home, trying to save some money at the moment. (laughs) We moved back home when um, 
dad was in his last like year of Alzheimer's. Mm. Um, I work in research for my freelance. I work for all sorts of different companies. Um, also trying to do a podcast, as I just said to you before, but uh, getting a bit scared about doing that. So it will happen <laughs> at some point. Um, I don't know what else. That's kind of it, really. I mean, that's great. That's life in a nutshell, isn't it? <laughs> that's it. We're done. <laughs> we'll get stuck in, I suppose. Can you <laughs> please tell our listeners about um, your individual loss and just, you know, give a brief insight into what happened and, you know, your story? Yeah. So I guess it's a, so, well, it's not a weird one. It's just they're all different, aren't they? Dad was <laughs> very true. <laughs> dad was um, dad was diagnosed with early onset Alzheimer's when I was seventeen. I think my brother was fifteen at the time. Um, he died when I was thirty, or like thirty and a half, wow, something a like long that. Process really long. So there's loads of stages to it as well because, like, you know, at first he was still very. I think very with it would be a bit of an overstatement, but you know, he was mm. like, he could still function and like you could have really coherent conversations with him. It's, it's very slow. So things happen. I don't know how to explain it, but they just happen like very slowly. So there's different stages of like loss almost as you yeah, go along. I bet. And then like by the That's end. That's actually probably a really good way of describing it stages a lot yeah because you almost like just lose a little bit of them and because they can't communicate in the same way or you can't have the same kind of conversations and then the last few years probably the last five were really hard because obviously it's like a build-up of plaque in the brain so if you think of your neural pathways and they kind of need a clear run to fire up (laughs) and for Mm. for us to be able to do anything really um and his weren't working so it kind of means you you forget how to walk you forget how to talk um you need to be fed like baby food essentially everything has to be like mushed up uh swallowing you kind becomes of like go difficult. don't you yeah there's that what's that um pretty sure that a... film Benj- benjamin button yeah, there's that, and there's like Shakespeare's um, Seven Seven Ages of Man, and like the seventh okay, one is like going back on yourself. But yeah, becoming like a grown up baby. Mm. Bless, I think he wouldn't he wouldn't like being called that. Yeah. I, I feel like I, this is actually the first time that I've had somebody on the show talking about losing somebody this way, and. I do think there's like a huge lack of knowledge about this, especially within the like young adults and stuff. You know, we kind of expect it from our grandparents, but not so much our parents. Yeah, um, I would agree like, with what, that. Yeah, like what was it like when he first got diagnosed? Because did it did it feel like a kind of? It sounds awful saying this, but like a, like a death sentence when he was diagnosed, or was it like a okay, this is what's happened we're going to do X, Y, and Z, and you kind of all became quite just, you know, processed about it? Um, I think probably a bit of both. I mean, I was 17 mm. at the time, so I was in sixth form. I, was in, I think I was in uh, the first year of sixth form, and uh, I can remember being called down to the kitchen table with my brother, 
and I was a teenager so I was just like oh for god's sake we've done something wrong again (laughs) (laughs) so I thought we were being um like called down to the to the table to be told off (laughs) it was my initial Mm. thought and then they kind of mum and dad both kind of told us together and one would I think dad actually said it because quite so long ago now but I think dad said it because mum was trying to and then she was crying I think Owen got a bit annoyed um that's my brother Mm -hmm. um but I think it's just like quite an overwhelming piece of news because we knew what it meant and our gran was living with us at the time as well so I don't know if she really had like dementia at that point but yeah so like we were very aware of what it meant but it was just very Mm. hard to digest I can remember like walking upstairs and lying on my bed and just being like what the fuck (laughs) yeah like like what the hell's gonna happen now I bet yeah sorry I just just swearing and can be very no it's sorry right, you, you can swear you can swear on this it's totally fine okay good um yeah and then then I guess there were just stages because I went off to uni so I feel like mum and my brother because they were at home did um I almost noticed it more because I went to uni mm. and then so that was like 2006 to 2009 and then I went, moved to London, then I moved to Italy. So I wasn't at home. Um, So then whenever Mm. I would come back, and it wasn't like I was away for, you know, I'd come back quite regularly, but um, then I'd notice big differences in his, like, behaviour and um, how he changed and everything else. So Yeah, it must have been difficult being away from home when all of that was happening. Yeah, it was... but then it's so slow and gradual, isn't it? At the same time, yeah, it's really, yeah, it's tricky. And then, and so you you definitely get moments of preemptive grief, um, mm. but then, uh, yeah, you get preemptive grief. But then it's weird because it becomes normal. Like you just get so used mm, to it. It becomes as a part well. of your life. Yeah, like yeah. that's just dad in a different form. I mean, not a different form. Yeah. He's still there, but like. <laughs> and there were definitely moments like later on when I mean I didn't look after him very much, like full on. But mum went away a couple of times, and I um did like the personal care and stuff. Mm. And there there were. There were definitely moments and looks when he stopped being able to communicate verbally that you're like, you're still in there. That's so, so hard to process. I think it's such a young age as well, you know, when you're just thinking all the things that they're missing out on, like that's totally understandable that, you know, it it brings you upset. Did did you ever talk about it um, before he got, before he deteriorated quite a lot, you know, about what the future was going to hold for him? Um, no, I think mum tried to talk to him about it, mm. but I don't think he really wanted to. I think, you know, he was like, very typical man. <laughs> Put your head in the sand and just got on with it. It is what it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And just like avoid. Well, I think it probably mm. scared him. Um, mm. I can't remember. I think maybe mum at one point, because I've asked her this like afterwards, 
or I probably did ask her like along the way like did dad like kind of like ever express if he gets to a certain stage not wanting to be here anymore that kind of thing Mm. but I think mum probably had tried to talk to him about it back in the day and he said like he just wanted to ride it out I mean not that you really have an option yeah (laughs) you know unfortunately yeah that's very illegal but um (laughs) yeah I guess it brings up like all of all of those things I think anyone with a really um long you know there's there's loads of diseases aren't there where they're like very long and degenerative I do do feel like I do feel like you know this kind of illness it is very similar to losing somebody's cancer whereas with Alzheimer's it's you know usually quite a lot longer um but I had like a similar situation with my mum where it does come to a point when they're not really there anymore but yeah. you wonder what they're what they're kind of thinking and stuff and you know it got to the point where we were looking after her I was like spoon feeding her and I was like what the fuck's going on like this isn't this isn't supposed to be how it is at this point yeah um, it's weird isn't it, it? yeah because you're like yeah of course you'll you want to do it but you're just like, this is the wrong way around. <laughs> mm. Like it just should not be happening so soon either. Like it's just not right. Yeah. And when you're at such a young age to have to go through that as well. Like it's not, it's not, at the end of the day, it's not fair on us either to have to watch our parent go through, you know, that kind of degeneration um, and just not be able to do things for themselves anymore. Yeah. It's, yeah, it is hard to watch. For sure. There was a moment when, um, so when I was living in Italy, so that was like 2015 to 2017, and I was having therapy because it was getting towards the end. But, I mean, I think the psychiatrist or whoever was, like, looking after Dad at that point or the check-in person or whatever, they did kind of leave you alone after a while Mm. because there's really very little they can do after a certain point. I mean, he was meant to be dead years ago, bless him. Um, wow. And he's just like, I think mum is like, I don't know, she's just such an amazing looker after her <laughs> of humans. <laughs> yeah, bless her. But I can remember saying to the um, the therapist, like, I, I'm like torn because I, I feel like, bad saying this but I think it's important to say like I wanted him to die but I really didn't Mm. at the same time yeah and it was yeah it was really it felt I don't know like just so hard to hold those two truths at the same time yeah literally the last like three days of my mum's life we were just like okay (laughs) like it's time for you to die now like you know it's it's really not it's not a life worth living anymore for anybody just waiting for it and um, yeah like what did you do during those like last couple of years in particular to support yourself like what were the kind of things that like made you happy or like who did you support on um well I think I sought out therapy when I realized I was mm. struggling having um holding those two thoughts at the same time and obviously she told me it was very normal but that doesn't really do yeah. very much to soothe. <laughs> you still feel like a horrible person. <laughs> yeah, I was like, still feel like a bit of a dick, but cool. <laughs> I was like, it's nice that the therapist said it's normal. Um, but she recommended I watch a film, which I bawled my eyes out at. Okay. Called um, 
my god i'm gonna have to find it now but monsters something um not monsters inc (laughs) not monsters inc no (laughs) that would have definitely been great for the lols um i can't remember but it's about this little boy basically whose mum's dying of cancer um okay it's about him having those two feelings and you know he's he was much younger than my like 26 27 year old self dealing with it at the time he's like probably I don't know between the ages of like seven and nine in it but it's such a beautiful film and I don't know it's called a monster calls yes that's it yeah yeah and it was I I I found that really helpful um oh wow I think I might watch this it's got some really good actors in it as well yeah it's good one to cry at right get get the tissues ready yeah (laughs) honestly any film tv show anything that involves anybody dying i am a mess i've recently been watching a series called this is us on amazon prime um yeah and honestly there are just bits in it where certain characters die and it's so distressing like i haven't I, I don't think anybody else, apart from people that have like experienced a loss like that, understand like how it actually feels like your heart is breaking as you're watching it. Because you're just like, it's just so sad. I know. I can't cope. I can remember that. Like, I can't. <laughs> years and years and years ago, going to like a movie premiere with a, a boyfriend at the time. And um, I was meeting some of his family afterwards. And the it was about a... Um, a daughter who was dying from cancer and the relationship with her dad and I was a hot mess and I was like I was just like I don't know I couldn't stop crying and you know when you're like trying really hard to like not make blubbery noises (laughs) (laughs) yeah and he was like looking at me like oh bless but you know when you're just like no I cannot meet your family after this who I haven't met like extended family members and I was like oh so I just ran away oh my god I just I didn't know what to do so I ran away and I like lay down on the bench in Hyde Park until I calmed down (laughs) (laughs) I can't blame you because it it actually brings it all back like it just brings back all of those emotions like and so real as well yeah, whereas I was like, you know, dad was still around then, but I was very good at kind of compartmentalizing it and being like, yeah, yeah, everything's mm. fine. Even when obviously mm. it wasn't. But then when you've got stories of death presented to you in different ways, yeah, I wasn't very good. Those would be my little How was it? breakdown moments. Sorry, go on. No, 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 that's it. That's it. How was it when you were like, did, did you like introduce partners or friends and stuff to your family during those times? Like, yeah. so I can imagine that being quite difficult to navigate. Yeah, so I can remember, um, yeah, there's been, yeah, probably only one boyfriend who met dad. <laughs> no, two, two boyfriends who met dad when he was, um, when he had Alzheimer's. And probably mm. I didn't have any before any boyfriends before seventeen. So yeah, <laughs> um, and I guess the first was yeah. So when I was at uni, so I get, dad was a lot more kind of with it then. I think it was probably yeah. much harder for the second boyfriend because dad was a bit more scatty by that point. Yeah. Know? So I think that's hard because they're you know trying to 
interact and have a normal conversation but if you're not used to someone um who's ill in that way and can't um talk to you in a normal way or I don't know it's like it's a lot of pressure isn't it from their point of view 100% 100% yeah no I can't imagine that being difficult so who did you end up kind of like relying on the most then in the immediate aftermath of your dad because obviously you must have had so much of this anticipatory grief like I, I can't imagine the feeling of when he did pass away and suddenly it all kind of becomes very real yeah who did I rely on so I mean I had some great friends um around me um amazing family the th- me my mum my brother are very close um mm. and I think became much closer as well because mm. of that as I think happens quite naturally um even though we all have dealt with the grief in very different ways I would say yeah what's your mum's life been like because obviously her life must have literally just been around your dad yeah so she was his so she took early retirement I mean she had a rough old ride because Gran came to live with us when I was 11 um so there was one point where like Gran wasn't very well (laughs) dad wasn't well (laughs) And me and my brother were two teenagers. teenagers. Yeah, she was probably going through Ow. menopause. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it was it was a hot mess. <laughs> yeah, I bet. God, she needs a medal. Yeah, it definitely made for, for some fiery moments in the house. Mm. That's that's for sure. Um, so my friend Nat, um, I think because she had been through it before, her dad died when she was seven. And even though it was a long time ago, um, it it was very hard to explain to friends who hadn't experienced it. Yeah, yeah. Whereas I didn't. Yeah. Whereas I didn't have to explain to her, and not that Mm. there were friends who expected explanations, but maybe they just they needed you to be more communicative, and I Mm. couldn't be which is weird because I love a chat, but, (laughs) and I I was fine, kind of like, not fine, but maybe I was in like some kind of denial at the beginning. Like it was, it's all seemed very surreal and you've got a funeral to plan and there's like lots of things to do and people around and cups of tea to be made and like all of these things. It's so busy, isn't it? And then suddenly it just goes, deathly quiet and you're just like fuck yeah (laughs) my life will now be completely different to how it was before yeah um and then in that period of time I just didn't feel like talking to very many people if I'm honest and I watched a lot of ER in fact I watched all of ER love (laughs) before it became made available for free on channel four so I spent a lot of money on ER (laughs) but I was just I don't know there was something about watching a medical drama that was something always went wrong so I had something Mm. to cry at (laughs) Mm. but it was also quite mind-numbing do you know what I mean I could just zone out to it so that was my first form of therapy um to deal with it um And then I went to therapy much later. So I've kind of finished now, but I did a period of like 
eight months. Initially, I went every week. Yeah, I stopped quite recently, but um, I found that really helpful. Yeah, I was going to say, how have you found that? I I had a bit of therapy and I found it useful, but at the same time, I actually just got myself a little bit worked up before each of the sessions, um, feeling nervous that I wasn't going to have anything to say. <laughs> I think that is like, so common. <laughs> it is so, because... Like, yeah. yeah. You know, if you're going to catch up with somebody that you've not seen in a, in a long time and you're kind of like racking your brain for things you're going to talk about. Yeah. I would I would get myself a little bit worked up thinking like, oh my God, what am I going to talk to him about? Because I've already told him about that my mum's dead and I'm and I, and it's shit and I'm really struggling. <laughs> it's like, what the hell do I talk to him about now? <laughs> yeah. Like, but I needed therapy, but I just didn't know. I just couldn't cope with the, yeah, what to say. I just found it really difficult. Yeah. Which is funny because here I am on a podcast just talking all the time. So. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think it's really hard to find a good therapist or like not even a good one, but the right one for you. Mm. And I think I was lucky that I'd had therapy before and the therapy I had when I was in Milan, which was like uh, long distance at the time with psychotherapists in London, was really good, but she was quite tough. Um and it was amazing because I definitely had lots of like revelations of stuff and insights about okay. myself and my behavior. But I was like, oh, do you know what? I think I want someone a bit more gentle for uh, dealing with grief. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I was really lucky that I found um, an amazing therapist. Um, she's called Lee Tomlin. She's she's really good. Um, and we just had like similar interests in like um, like trauma being held in the body and like mm. more more alternative ways of doing stuff. And she really worked with me with that. Like we did lots of like tapping. Have you heard about that? Oh yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah. Was that kind of your response? Was that kind of like your response to like trauma being held in the body? Did you what kind of things? If you don't, if you don't, wouldn't mind talking about it, you don't have to. Yeah, no, that's fine. So, um, I one session I went in, and there was like a pillow laid out and lots of coloring pencils, <laughs> and loads of paper. That sounds like a dream. <laughs> and I went in, and I was like yay what's happening like, is that for me she's like it is for you and she's like and I would like you to lie down I'm gonna draw around your body I was like oh my god wow. this woman just gets me because yeah because I also found that like it's hard to like, I would just cry at her really mm. at the beginning I found it so god getting emotional now trying to describe it but I would get so emotional trying to express myself I couldn't do it mm. it's because the, the emotions are so like deep and strong aren't they it's like how do you describe to somebody that it's not just shit but like it's really 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 fucking shit <laughs> it's like <laughs> next level yeah um, <laughs> millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom like Evan who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yeah, you get you get used to kind of packing it away, don't you? Or like, mm. I don't know, I used a lot of dark humor at the beginning. Yeah, I'm sorry of my life. I'm <laughs> saying. <laughs> One of my friends said, um, she was like, yeah, I looked back on your... Uh, our text messages she was like so so dark Siobhan I was like yeah just a coping mechanism Hells, it's got to be yeah, done it is it is um yeah so what was I saying so yeah so she like drew around my body and then like we had a little bit of a chat and she was like okay we're gonna do a meditation um but it's like a guided one and I'm gonna guide you through it and what nice. I would like you to do is either imagine a little you, like a baby Siobhan, like or a toddler. It needs to be someone who can hold a torch. I was like, okay. Mm. Or you can choose someone else. Um, if you know any like young people in your life, you can you can choose them. So I chose um my best mate from uni, Nat, the one who I mentioned earlier, who's oh, like yeah. she's got a little boy called Lloyd. So um I imagine Lloyd in my head with a torch and he's like shining it around and then I had to go through all my different body parts and say like what color they were on the inside or um or describe it so and I could do it in any way I wanted um and I didn't so cool it's really cool isn't it it was just really fun and it and I didn't have to say anything out loud but I had to then go and draw it on my body Mm. um so and I think it just meant that I could express how I was feeling in a different way and it was so so much easier yeah wow I love that yeah I loved it rather than me just go in and like cry at her for 20 minutes (laughs) before we'd even got anywhere (laughs) (laughs) no how clever I really love stuff like that like that's what, I think that's what I found the most difficult with the kind of therapy that I had was when it was just talking, whereas I feel like I'd work much better doing something just, yeah. you know, I find the whole sitting opposite somebody and talking about how terrible everything is quite uncomfortable, but I feel like if I was doing something at the same time or just a different way of kind of describing that, it would be really good. That sounds fab. So yeah, she was- have, you, have you kind of left therapy now feeling like it's been really beneficial to you yeah I think she just really helped because there were lots of things going on like growing apart from friendships as often like happens when there's been a bereavement Mm. and yeah it's just a big thing isn't it but it wasn't until so like dad died in March um 2019 god it all just seems like a blur and then I went to therapy at the beginning of this year so I think we started talking in December and then I started in the January um Mm. and then I finished kind of recently like last month 
Wow. Um, it's interesting that you just mentioned about friendships and stuff, because I was actually just about to ask you that, like whether you think that your loss has changed your relationships like with your friends and any like potential like partners and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, so it did with like one of my best friends. And I think we had probably been growing apart beforehand anyway, mm. um, for various reasons. And yeah, she wasn't at dad's funeral because she was um, oh. busy doing something else. And oh. I, I think it like, it upset me much more than I realised at the time because you're mm. kind of your head somewhere else. Um, so that took quite a while for me to process I think yeah I mean it's like double the loss isn't it like yeah absolutely but I think it just and I and I talked a lot to my therapist about it but because you change you know grief Mm, grief changes you profoundly so Mm. yeah so it's so true like honestly I it's one of the things like nobody ever tells you before somebody dies that it's going to completely change you. It's not anything that you think that you're just going to be the same person that you were, but you're going to be sadder like for a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> nobody tells you. I so you thought that. Like, yeah, it overturns everything. Yeah. It's a wild old ride grief. It is. It is. <laughs> <laughs> it's and the best think, way to describe it. Yeah. And I think it, and it changes, doesn't it? Um, mm. And then you think you're okay, and then like random things will catch you off guard. But I was like, I was talking to someone about it the other day who I actually interviewed, yet to edit, but you know. Um, and she <laughs> was saying, <laughs> she was saying um, that it's not the it's not the Mother's Day's or the her mum's birthday or things like that that catch her out it's small little moments when she like sees something that reminds her of her mum like on a more personal Mm. level um and like kind of random things and then she'll be flawed but but the kind of more I guess typical Mother's Day Father's Day and I kind of feel similarly um Mm. that doesn't really upset me and I don't know if that's because I'm more jealous on those days than anything I think yeah. it's more kind of jealousy than being upset whereas other things are like pure heartbreak <laughs> yeah what do you find what gets you <sighs> um like I said before it's when I see things on the telly that kind of like evoke like it kind of like ignites my grief if you know what I mean yeah um because I do have to have my own grief at a very subdued level to do this podcast like <laughs> I Pack you know I'm kind of, yeah. <laughs> like literally because I'm so in it all the time I couldn't be at such an intense level of grief all the time so when I do watch something of somebody grieving or a loss that's impacting people's lives it kind of ignites my grief and then it's it sound this is what I do it sounds awful it's like really cheesy and embarrassing I can't I'm gonna say this out loud but um hey, yeah. <laughs> I I sit there like I'm sobbing but I actually like call my mum like my mum's name I say mum I'm like mum mum because because I never get to say it when I'm really upset and I say her name it it makes me more upset because I'm trying to get all those feelings out yeah and I I just really like saying mum yeah. out loud because 
and I pretend that she can hear it because I'm ne- I can never say it anymore. Like, and I haven't been able to say it properly for five years. Yeah. So that's one of the that's one of the things that I do. That's like a weird little <laughs> like grief ritual when I'm absolutely devastated. <laughs> oh, bless you! Wish I could just give you a big hug, but yeah, I think that's so normal. Like, mm. of course, you're gonna want to say like call out and say, "Mum." Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. you would have like talked to her all the time and called her all the time and and then all of a sudden there's no reason to, but there's so much reason to. And I'm sure yeah. in some way, you know, she can hear it somehow. I mean, yeah, that's that's what I hope anyway. But I also think if she saw me doing that, she'd be like, she wouldn't know, she'd be beside herself. <laughs> Like, how can I help you? <laughs> oh my god! The other day, this is quite hilarious, but um, similar to your story, I was camping with friends, and fun. It very fun, but I went on a little drunk wander and got lost oh, on the no. way back. <laughs> and it was getting darker oh, no. and darker, and I really don't like the dark. And I don't either. I definitely, not out loud, but in my head, had a little chat to dad and was like, uh, oh. if you can help get me back to camp, <laughs> that would really be... really freaking out right now. <laughs> I was like, that would be greatly appreciated. <laughs> and then I was like, that is the most ridiculous thing in the world, Sean. But I was like, I don't care. I think it might help. <laughs> <laughs> oh. It's so true. We do kind of just think about them in the funniest all times, don't we? Yeah. Bless them. Bless them. Yeah. So do you think then that your loss, I know we've literally just talked about this, but do you feel like your loss has definitely changed who you are as a person? Like, do you really identify that from even just from, you know, just over a year ago, really? Or yeah. a year and a half ago, I suppose. Yeah. So I think it has. I think it took me a long while to realize it had. I think therapy mm. helped me realise it had. Um, I think I'm probably still changing because I think it takes quite a while to process. Um, but I think it's kind of made me be more protected of, of my time. And, yes, I love that. And like where I invest my energy and I care less about what yeah. other people think. Um, it's hard to put into words, but you just feel different. You, ch- you change for the better in most ways, though, right? Like all of those things that you just said yeah, are things that actually improve your day-to-day life. It yeah. kind of like doesn't, it doesn't balance out how shit it is, but it actually makes the quality of your day-to-day life a little bit better (laughs) despite the grief yeah for sure what about you how do you think you changed I mean I'm very similar to you that's why I was like yeah it's like my I love like investing my time in my family that's so important to me I used to be a massive party animal animal like I just loved going out and getting absolutely smashed um now I can't every now and again (laughs) (laughs) like now like I never do because I think you know how would I how if I like if I was going to spend that day the next day hungover like that wouldn't make me happy whereas getting up and going for a walk and I've just I've just become way more aware of what makes me happy and just live a better life than I did before yeah and also I think it just makes you realize how short life is and 
you know, how it literally can be taken from you. And we just, like, I always look at other people that just live every day as if it, it's just like their godforsaken right to just live this full life. But I'm yeah. like, so much bad stuff can happen. So, like, you've really got to be grateful for what you have. Yeah. Like, really grateful. <laughs> yeah, that's really nice. And it's so true. Mm. I feel like I felt that, like, very... um I'm trying to think of another word for strongly. I can't remember what it is, but like it was very strong that feeling at the profoundly. Yes, thank you. Profoundly (laughs) at the beginning. And then it kind of, you know, then everyday life takes over. Yeah. But when when you remember, you're like, yeah, this, you know, no one knows what's going to happen to any of us. So. We I mean, that's the thing that life, life is so busy and it's so full every day. But I think if we could just like take those moments and we can just think, wow, there's like so much beautiful stuff happening and around me. Like that's, I think, is what makes us a big difference to other people yeah. is that we're able to appreciate those little moments. And it's always the small things, isn't it? Classic yeah. and overdone. But Trees. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Got to love a good tree. <laughs> I do. <laughs> yeah honestly I'm so sad now <laughs> no like being in nature spending time with good friends dinner with the family I don't mm-hmm. know travel pre-covid yeah. <laughs> oh my god yeah um I just want to talk quickly about your own grief account and you know you mentioned that you want to you're kind of like doing this podcast when you've got time obviously it's so time consuming but like what is it that made you want to start that account? And like, how do you think that it's kind of affecting your grief journey? Yeah, so I'd say, well, it's definitely changed. I def- I think I started it with a lot of gusto. And then <laughs> kind of, this is a great idea. <laughs> yes, and then kind of ran out of steam or probably mm. more likely came a bit more face-to-face with my own grief. Mm. Um. But I wanted to start it because I just don't think people are very aware of what the fuck it actually does to you. Yep. Yep. (laughs) And how all consuming it is and how hard it is to explain to someone who hasn't experienced it. And there's just a look or, or you can speak to anyone who has. It doesn't really matter what age they are. And they look at you and they just know. It's like yeah, this, I love it. this inner deep knowing and they can mm. see you. And mm. you and I think because like lots of friends couldn't see that. Yeah, that's oh I'm getting upset again. Bloody hell. No, I you get doing it. to me, Catherine. <laughs> I completely get it. Like you feel you feel like you're invisible when you're around people that don't understand what you've gone through. Yeah. And and I and I was also just curious, I guess like the research part of me was curious into how people grieve and it's all different. Mm-hmm. Everyone does it differently. And you know, before I tried so hard, which such a futile endeavour to like read about how I might feel, <laughs> like, <laughs> what would happen to me and yeah. my family and everything else. And, you know, 
nothing I think I was looking in all the wrong places I should probably have been you know there there are lots of amazing grief communities which I didn't really access I was more like googling stuff yeah I wouldn't have known at all um and nothing really like yeah nothing really summed it up um Mm. and it's hard because obviously everyone's is different so everyone's got a slightly different perspective on what's like useful for them or like what was annoying that was said to them at the time and all of these things um but yeah that that was kind of why I guess so like I love it I mean what a valid reason (laughs) yeah yeah um it's so true yeah what about you what made you set up um your podcast this podcast um this one yeah um so obviously my mum died five years five years ago and I was at uni at the time and my best friend at uni well she wasn't my best friend until she became my best friend when I when both of our parents were dead um her dad had passed away a year before my mum died um so we just really bonded over this like mutual loss yeah and she was the person who I relied on to have those honest conversations about grief with and who I felt the most comfortable with because she knew how I felt. And we were just like, what would we have done without each other? And like, what do other people do out there when they haven't got anybody they can talk to or any, like they're just feeling like they're the only ones that feel this way. So we were sat there one day and we were just chatting about grief and we were saying like dead parent jokes and all that kind of thing. And then got to and we were down. like, why don't we just start a podcast? <laughs> why don't we just start a podcast? And we were just like, oh my god, yes! Like that very same night, like I bought, like I bought the um, domain, set up the website, set up the Instagram. We recorded our introduction episode, and, like oh, we just got amazing. it rolling. And it was like such a spur of the moment thing. And here I am, two years later. Um, she lives a very, very full life, so unfortunately, she had to back down from it. Um, but yeah, we still see each other quite a lot. And yeah, now I do it, do it solo, but um. Yeah, oh, I just can't. I, I just never. To some of I you guys <laughs> together, and I love them. I also love yours yeah. on your own. It's just, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You I guys just that. talk about it in such a relatable way. You just have like normal mm. conversations with people, and that's, I guess, that's what you're looking for when you're. That's what wanted. Yeah, yeah, when you're going like, people, through people that. Always, people always say like they're glad that. Like, you know, it's only a small podcast anyway, and it's very unlikely that I'd be able to get big celebrities on it and things like that. But people always say, like, they're glad that... (laughs) (laughs) But, like, people say that they're glad that it has just so many normal people on because they're the people that they can relate to the most. Um, Yeah. And it's so true. So, yeah, that is the podcast. And it's my baby. It's just a hell of a lot of work. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I've only scratched the surface and I can see that, which is like, I'm like oh, I might hoard a few interviews first before launching. <laughs> well, to be fair, I do think that's a good idea. Um, before we finish this, I just want to ask you one last question, which I ask everybody, but what would you say to other people who have experienced a similar loss to you and are grieving that person? I think be really kind to yourself I think we're all very good at we're normally because you know most people are nice we're very good at being kind to other people and we're not very good at being kind to ourselves and grief's hard and it's long and it changes all the time and I think just don't expect too much of yourself which is hard because you know sometimes you've got to go back to work and you have to 
fit into society when you feel like you shouldn't be there almost um but yeah just be really kind to yourself try and surround yourself with people who understand you and if people don't maybe they're not your people anymore and you know Mm -hmm. not in a horrible way but and maybe you you come back together at another point but I wouldn't try and force things you've got enough going on do you know what I mean yeah yeah definitely could not agree with that more (laughs) or do you find like friendships and relationships are kind of the hardest things to navigate after you've lost someone because you are just like you are quite selfish in those times in a way because your loss is so awful and you you just want everybody to be like are you okay (laughs) yeah all the time and it's it's kind of hard to nurture friendships and stuff I think yeah you don't have the same space do you for people as you might um, once have had and that's I get it that that's jarring for people it's finding people that understand that but then it's also finding people that you want to put the effort in to nurture that relationship do you know what I mean like I just feel like you you pick your people a bit more carefully yeah (laughs) people that are worth the time and the effort (laughs) yeah it's exhausting like it's so tiring um well that's it from me to be honest unless there's anything else that you wanted to talk about whilst you were here no I don't think so thanks so much for having me it's been an absolute joy talking to you it's been lovely thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the dead prank club podcast I so hope that you've enjoyed it and you found some comfort in the stories that you've heard here today As always, I would just like to remind you that neither myself nor any of the guests that come onto the show are healthcare professionals. Therefore, if you do find yourself struggling with your grief, I highly recommend that you seek out professional help, whether that be from your GP or from the numerous charities out there that are available to you. Please also remember that you can reach out to us at any time on Instagram at DPC Podcast, on Facebook at The Dead Parent Club, and you can email us at dpcpodcast at hotmail.com. Alternatively, you can check out our website where a resources page is also available at www.dpcpodcast.co.uk. Also, please don't hesitate to contact me if you want to get involved in the podcast in any way, whether that be coming onto the show or to write a blog for us as well if coming onto a podcast isn't your thing. Thank you so much once again for listening and we'll see you next week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.